Welcome all the listeners to another episode of Trials and Meditations. Trials and Meditations. It's your boy Red Dragon. Just inviting my people in. So let the stories begin. Let the stories begin. I'm only talking about the first when I'm talking my favorite gen. It's time to reminisce with two of my favorite men. Whether you're saying two or whether you're saying ten, make sure you say it here with two of my brothers, Kim. Kim Wa, Kim Ness, other Bedaini guests. No matter where the convo goes, never finesse. Rituals was our gathering place. Escaping the of this world chanting, that's why we called it a space embrace. This is a one of a kind podcast. Kings and Chiefs speaking, I'ma call it a Godcast. This is a movement. I'm glad that you're tuned in. First generation of family reunion. I'm all in on this reminiscing affair. And every word that I speak is like a fist in the air. Simple kick in the snare is all I need for my comrades. Time to lift off. Better get on your launch pads. It's savage and fast. Very far from average cats. Every memory is an actual fact. I ain't going to bar you to death. But I say it with my heart and my chest. I say recess in every part of my breath. S. Call it meditation and trials. I'm talking from state to state. There's dedication for miles. Meanwhile, it's a celebration of all of us. No matter where we go, we'll never forget the cause of us. Round of applause necessary. Mind and body grow, but the spirit is legendary. Minnesota, North Carolina, the home of the host. And if you leave it up to them, they'll be doing the most. And everybody that comes on, I listen to every word, because it's probably a story that I never heard. Observe as I paint pictures. Evaluate the scriptures. Translated by mortal men who got it twisted what if egyptians never existed first generation would never be a tradition my tree of life grew from the concrete some of us didn't make it that forever haunts me tribes of ashanti lost in the atlantic maduna tear visions i'm wishing for ancient Kemet. present day living ain't a gift at all so many slip and fall can't predict the corona with several crystal balls evolution the man tell me we got through it cooler heads prevail while i'm spitting hot fluid energized by our daily reminders to Breathe easy, out left, in right, bondage. Let's bring it back to brother Farouk and brother Damon. Guarantee they'll be debating about some bacon every show. It might sound ridiculous, but these brothers about to take flight like Icarus. They're elevating the mind, refined and shine, divine dialogue, meditation and trial, moving the timeline along. The point of view of the guests is very important. Just remember you're being recorded. I get through my trials. Yeah. Yeah. And meditation. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, 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 yo. I said welcome to another episode of Trials and Meditation, conversation of the first generation Y2K. I am your host, Damon S. Trent, and the S stands for Savage. And this is Kim Ness, a.k.a. The Better Kim, reporting live from the backwoods in North Carolina. Now, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, and if you have not already, we invite you to subscribe to the show. That's right. That's right. And if you're already subscribed, drop a comment. Let us know what you're thinking and how you feel about the show. Fats, what's good, my G? Man, what's good, man? Same thing, different day. Same. You know, we moving into the fourth quarter of the year. We're moving into the fourth quarter. Don't be afraid to take that last shot. That hmm. last shot. It's game time. Game time. Well, you know what that means. Uh, this is the portion of the show. It's called Countdown Kim Ness, where I give you guys a weekly tip. Now, this segment, segment is brought to you by the guys and the family over at Create Safe. All right, so we're going to do something a little different this week. Okay. Uh, it's not going to be a tip. This is just 
something that I do in my personal life. Um, you know, how people talk about living life with intention and purpose. And this is something that I recently did that kind of, you know, it's kind of like a bucket list, but really just what I did was I separated on paper. So I'm always in my notes on my iPhone and I'm, you know, cause we're getting a little older. So I, you know, I tend to forget all my thoughts every day. You know, you want to put them somewhere where, you know, you can get back to them. So I separated all the stuff that I, all the notes that I had in my iPhone into four different sections. And one was fam, right. One was family. One was my job and career was, was my personal life. Um, so just like, you know, things that I wanted to do in each different section of my life, um, just little things like learn Spanish or, you know what I mean? I want to go to see the, the uh, space shuttle lift off. You know what I mean? Just certain things that I wanted to do just created my own intentional bucket list in different areas of my life. Now I'm listening um, to you. So that was, that was just something that I did. And, you know, as I go through life, just, you know, kind of check off those things so that, you know, when you get to, you know, a point in life where you don't live with no regrets, you just do everything you say you're going to do and be the person who you say you're going to be to yourself. That's you know right. I mean? That's because right. You live yeah, over here with I, no, no, no regrets. No regrets. No, 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 no regrets. Not no regrets. <laughs> Absolutely. But let's, let's get Absolutely. to it. So, so uh, who do we got on the show with us today, brother? So, so we're going to take a trip take down it. bottom. Okay. Hmm. We're going to take a trip to the, to the Gulf. To the to the city, the Crescent City. To the Crescent, okay. A, so you know, we we going with a brother who you know, some of you may know, some of you may not know. We all know his moms uh, from the retreats, uh, from that big smile. You'll never forget that smile, uh, brother Ajay, brother Aji. If you can pronounce your name properly, uh, I, I want to mess works. it up, Aji. <clears throat> Aji, yeah. Brother Aji. My name is Ajalon, but everybody calls me Aji. Let's, let's Brother Aji from New Orleans. My brother. I appreciate y'all having Absolutely, Hello? absolutely. So, so what's going on? Thanks so, for taking some time out to uh, come kick it with us today. Of course, of course. I, I listened to the show, and so uh, I was like, I'd like to do that too. I give a different spin. I don't know if I'd be considered first generation. Uh, my mom joined the society in 85. Um, and like we was way down bottom. So I don't, I don't have all of the cultural reference points that like I hear uh, on a podcast, but like a lot of it I can relate to. And so like, I Absolutely. appreciate listening to it. So that's going to be, well, really that's why we have you on the show. Exactly. Today. So, you know, like we know how it was for us growing up, but we're always interested to hear how it was for people that were away from where we grew up, right? And so, right. before we get into all of that, let's talk about what you're doing with yourself now. So, are, are you still in the Crescent Crescent City? Are you still in so, New Orleans? I am in New Orleans right now. Nice. Yeah, I, I moved back here. Uh, I lived in Brooklyn for a spell. Lived in East Africa oh, nice. for a spell. Um, I'm actually headed back to East Africa next week. I'm headed to Zanzibar for a couple weeks. Oh wow! You know that's that's, um, that's dope that you lived in uh, East Africa. That's really 
super super dope. But let's let's talk about Brooklyn for a second. <laughs> okay. Well, well uh, how long did you live in Brooklyn, and what part of Brooklyn so, did you live in? I was in Bed-Stuy. You was in the so, side? Okay. My grandparents uh, left New Orleans with the Great Migration and moved to New York in the 40s. Got you. So, like, my mom is from New York City. Oh, uh, nice. I, I never a, knew that. Yeah, I have a first cousin uh, who's 21 days older than me. Oh, wow. So, I've been coming to New York forever. It was just my my grandmother in New York hated Brooklyn. She thought it was the most dangerous place on the, on the planet. <laughs> Um, and it was. <laughs> well, she was a registered nurse at Kings County Hospital for 50 years. Listen to oh, nice. Saying. Right. And so it was a situation where, like, she saw firsthand what Brooklyn did. Right. Uh, and what she didn't understand is I'm from New Orleans. Like, <laughs> we, <laughs> we around that time were the murder capital of the world for, like, you know, a couple years running. So I always felt safe in New York. <laughs> Right. Yeah, like legit square business. I, I always would be like, "This is a wonderful escape." Um, but my grandparents moved there in the forties. Uh, my mom was born there, and so I got to spend a nice chunk of my childhood in New York City. Uh, not with the society. My family lives in Queens up there. Um. But once I was old enough to go to the Het Nater and had friends over there, summertime at the Het Nater, uh, like 95, 96, were kind of magnificent. Oh, wow. Um, and so I have a little bit of that, I guess, as a part of my Sarah Set experience. And of course, the retreats. Of course, of course, the retreats. That's, mm. that's what's up. So let's talk about this for a second, right? Because I've okay. been to New Orleans once. Uh, okay. Right, and and I I only stayed in like downtown, like I didn't go into the hood. So, are you legit from New Orleans? Not like like a suburb, like like. And when I say legit, like people do this stuff, right? <laughs> they be like, "Yo, I'm from New York." Like, oh, you're right. from New York. Uh, Schenectady. I'm, exactly. What? <laughs> Where is that, bro? Right. So, <laughs> like, I'm from Uptown New Orleans, 11th Ward. Okay. Uh, can't say I'm a hardhead and. The neighborhood's been gentrified now, so it's nothing to rep. Well, I still rep it. I mean, if you look next door, I'm sitting outside. There's a million dollar home now. Oh wow! Right. Um, where it once wasn't. <laughs> um, like, funny story. I've been doing genealogy. Okay. Um, like y'all said, y'all started doing this during the pandemic. Like for the pandemic, I started doing genealogy work. Right got all that time on your hands um and i found out my family's been here since the 1700s like the oldest black person that i can find paperwork on is like 1760 mm. here in the city so like mm. i'm new orleans new orleans so are you are you creole do you consider yourself creole or just absolutely black? okay uh and not Creole, like people be like, Creole is light skin. Uh, right. Creole is a culture. Okay. Uh, right. It ultimately just means created here. Mm. Uh, to create. And so the Creole that was created here is like unique to here. Um, I have, if I go back uh, two generations, my folks still spoke uh, Louisiana Creole. 
Koivini mm-hmm. is what it's called. And I've been in the process of trying to learn that. Right. Uh, because, so, go ahead. So could just correct me if I'm wrong. So Creole, um, from my understanding, is what the, the French, uh, you know, migrated and, you know, um, was with their slaves and created, you know, where you have those light-skinned uh, French slaves. So is uh, that- No, nah, that's just what, mixed people. So okay. Creole enters into the New World lexicon. Uh, y'all about to get me in my bag. I love this kind of conversation, right? That's right. Okay, great. Um, Creole enters into the Western, uh, to the New World lexicon uh, via the Portuguese. And they initially uh, use it- Portuguese. Uh, to call uh, Africans born in New Portugal, now Brazil, uh, from those who were being imported from the continent, right? Um, and to an extent, they call themselves Creole as well, because all it means is created here. Um, and so go a step further, the Spanish and the French started using it in their colonies to do the same with themselves, but also with the Africans who they were importing. Um, and so it turned into a situation where the creolization of those folks who were born here was different from their their mother country or father country, however you want to call it. Uh, and distinct cultures came out of it. Um, I mean, the miscegenated offspring. Under the French, there was not so much of a caste system, though it was a caste system. The Spanish, on the other hand, uh, made a science out of it in the Codigo Negro uh, and made it like they had definitely 16 very defined categories, all denoting your proximity to whiteness. Um, and so when people be like mulatto, mulatto was a caste. Octoroon was a caste. Uh, Zambo was a caste. Cafe Uzo was a caste. Um, yeah. And, and so... so- Creole is less what a person looks like. It's, I'll go a step further and say the Creolization and the culture of it was unique to a specific people here. Uh, And when the city went from Spanish to French, uh, from French to Spanish, then to America, folks still held on to their Creolization Um, because it set them apart from regular Americans right uh to the point where they had to outlaw the speaking of it or teaching of creole in school oh wow um and so generation by generation it's almost an extinct language i think they say um they're like ten thousand speakers of louisiana creole right now but it's still pervasive in slang that we say you hip new orleans people say buku mm-hmm. um and, and I guess that would be more French than Creole. Creole is, Creole languages are transactional languages. Are cre- pigeons, which create Creoles. Pigeon language, like pig, Latin, pig, whatever. Pig, Latin, right. Um, are usually transactional languages. They're uh, languages that are created from two distinctly different languages, creating a transactional language to communicate. Uh, in the case of the New World, it was uh, slaver class and enslaved class trying to communicate. Uh, their offspring, who spoke the language that was created uh, from the transaction, it became a creolized language. 
I don't know if this right. shit is boring or not. No, but no, 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 Right in a sense, like, yeah, you know, like the like the these people who came here and that. Uh, growing up in New York, we didn't really learn the history of our city, right? And not, and maybe right. I don't know if New York has a history as interesting as New Orleans, but is that something that you guys learned in school, or how did you learn the history of your city? Is really what I'm trying to get at. So, I'll go a step further and say, uh, for profession, I'm a chef, um, and. In that, uh, I've worked in kitchens. I, part of uh, my last stint in New York City, uh, I did culinary school and I uh, worked at Buku restaurants in the city. Um, but in working at all of these restaurants, so much of the shit looked familiar, but it was always being called French and Italian and Spanish and a whole bunch of other things. And it was like, we don't have a story, right? And so, in, I guess, acknowledging that I felt some kind of way about it, uh, I started, like, doing lightweight food anthropology. Mm-hmm. Um, and food ways tells a story. Like, food, the movement of food, ingredients, whatever, about the planet also tells the movement of people and stories about the planet. Um, like, the rice, it, most rice dishes, you can go to any Latin American country, uh, and even in this country, and there's rice dishes. And, like, we're made to believe that Asians introduce rice to the world, right? But there is uh, just as ancient uh, West African um, rice culture that has been thriving for 5,000-plus years, right? Uh, and the rice dishes that made there are the rice that made its way over here was West African rice. When people talk of paella or uh, any of that shit, that's all West African influence. Right. Um, and, and then that leads you to like, yo, well, it was a bunch of West Africans in the Iberian Peninsula for 700 years. So of course our food was introduced and influenced their cuisine. And then you start writing yourself into the history of it. Um, in New Orleans, being a spot where so much of are where we have a defined cuisine for the city, it makes it like fun to learn the history of it here kind of situation. That's Does that make that sense? Is. That makes sense. Absolutely. So, so listen, that, right? that's what kind of got me into it. You started talking about rice dishes, right? And, and okay, let me go back for a second because you said that you're a chef. Yes. And and so. <laughs> You said buku, and when when I my mom used that word too, and she's definitely not from New Orleans, right? Okay. Uh, and so, but when she used it, she she used it like 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 we would say mad, like a lot. Of yeah. Is that, is same. That, same. It, okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. I, I just like sure you buku drove. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she would really say stuff like that. So, um, uh, that got me off the track. But anyway, you talk about rice dishes, right? Okay. And so, does New Orleans have like a, a rice? I know they have like gumbo is their thing. Is there like a, a rice, you know, like jollof rice? So jambalaya. Jambalaya, I'm listening to you. Pretty much like a one for one with uh, what we call jollof, because jollof is actually chebu gin. Uh, it's a Senegalese dish, a uh, Senegambian dish uh, that made its way throughout the rest of West Africa. And it was from the jollof people 
uh, or the Wolof people. Uh, and so it became Jollof rice, but like as Chebujin or Chebu whatever. Uh, it's usually rice with something else. Right. And so I'm... And so Chebujin is very similar to jambalaya. Um, and so much of the food, even gumbo here, usually comes with rice. We do red beans and rice. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. We, uh, people know about beignets, but what they don't hear about as often uh, is this beignet that's made out of rice. It's called kala. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of rice dishes. So, so, Ooh, cool. so let ahead, me ask a question. Speaking of food, you know, let's just kind of transition. So, you know, you know, I've been to New Orleans a couple of times. I was actually out there. And we ain't hung out not once. I, I, I was there. I was there for like two days on some business stuff. It was right before the pandemic. And, um, you know, I was just downtown. Um, knowing that New Orleans is a culinary hotspot, let's just kind of get into, you know, how you became a chef and what do you do? What do you cook? What's your specialty? What's your business? What, you know, what are you doing out there? How did I become a chef? Um, I mean, the 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 most real answer to that is I started calling myself chef, right? Right. right. Uh, well, that and I opened up a restaurant, and so nice. I'm like, well, this is my restaurant. I'm the chief of the kitchen. All chef mean is a chief, uh, like head. So I'm the chef. Right. Um, I started cooking because like many of us, or like a lot of us, I grew up in uh, with a single mom uh, who had six of us at one time and mm. was in school full-time or part-time and also working and keeping a roof over our head. Um, right. And somehow she, through her genius, um, decided to delegate uh, like house duties to all of us. Um, mm. And, but in a way that made us want to do it. Right. And so it wasn't like, you got to do this. It's like, you're going to want to do this. Right. Um, and so my mom would go to um, white people garage sales and get cook cookbooks and like yogurt makers. So, I'll, I'll start, uh, go even further. I grew up uh, born and raised vegan, right? Uh, what we used to call strict vegetarian. Strict, uh, strict vegetarian. Like strict, strict. Uh, before oh, we my were parents, all, We were all strict. <laughs> right. Before my parents, uh, before my mom joined the society, when my parents met, uh, my pop wasn't a Hebrew Israelite, but they were Israelites of sort, right? Oh. Uh, and so since he was like, 18 years old, 19, he had stopped eating meat. Uh, and so mm. when he and my mom met, they raised a family with no meat. Um, and so with that, like the easy way out for a single mother uh, with a bunch of kids to like feed those folks is eating out. But we didn't have that because New Orleans wasn't a very vegetarian or vegan friendly uh, eat at our restaurant scene at the time. And so a bunch of our stuff was made from scratch. Um, 
I fell in love with the cookbooks and like the little trinkets, or not trinket, but kitchen gadgets that my mom would have in the kitchen. And I, when asking myself what, you know, what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, well, I really enjoy cooking. And so I started cooking. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I always enjoy, I see some of your uh, Instagram posts is not, you know, and I'm I'm a little bit of a cook, not, you know, nowhere near as, you know, good as you, but, you know, I always well, part look of at our, Part of our initial uh, chat Absolutely. on Absolutely. social media was you telling Absolutely. me you were opening up a food business, so. I did, I did for a little while, but, you know. Um, I always like your, uh, your your vegan desserts and, you know, your made from scratch, your cheesecakes and all the stuff that you're cooking over there. So um, I also know that you had uh, went over to Africa for a while and uh, helped some brothers over there open a restaurant. Tell us a little bit about that experience. So I went to Rwanda in what, 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right about the time, yep. And I went over there on a consulting gig. I had just finished doing a food truck uh, here in the city. And so I did a food truck in a way that wasn't, uh, I I guess, most conducive to making a sustainable business. Uh, The city had ordinances in place at the time that made it real restrictive for food trucks. Absolutely. Same thing I went through. But I had a huge backyard with a stage and a bar and stuff in it. Uh, and so I started doing a, a little thing with a partner of mine, a childhood friend that we called the Burrito Juke Joint. And we just make real dope-ass burritos and invite bands and shit over to the backyard. Absolutely. I love that about um, New Orleans. And there were times when I'd have 300 people in my backyard, like, just having a good time. Um, and I got tired of, like, my house being a party spot. In uh, a couple other disagreements, but we uh, closed it down. And I remember having a thought that, like, shit, uh, I started cooking to travel. Uh, or that was like one of my aspirations to do with food. Like, people eat everywhere in the world. Let's travel. Absolutely. And so I randomly one night got on a uh, online and I started looking for gigs abroad and I came across one that said burritos in Africa. And I was like, this has got to be a joke because I just closed a burrito truck, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And further, it was like, it's in Rwanda. And when you say Rwanda to most people who don't read, the first thing that comes to mind is Hotel Rwanda, genocide. Right, war. Right. Right. Um, And... In my mind, like I was raised by staunch Pan-Africanists who were like, uh, damn well, better get your ass over there. And, so, like, so let me ask it. you one question. Did, did you do a reading on I going? Absolu- <laughs> so I absolutely uh, did a couple readings. Um, nice. So outside of, as Sarah said, like a large portion of my family is just involved in African spiritual systems, right? from Ifa to Vudun to like the whole spectrum of who we are as people, right? Spiritually. Um, and so I have a cousin who's a Babalao who uh, sat on a mat with me uh, and I made that bow and everything else. Um, but yeah, I absolutely did a reading. Um, so so was, what kind I, of uh, food did you uh, 
bring to a wanda did you do vegetarian so i did a burrito spot was it vegetarian or what kind of meat was it or how did that work no so it was like legit uh a burrito bar think of like chipotle but with african ingredients wow and i i like to call it afrimax afrimax which is crazier because like i'm a nerd around food um and then you find out that you know more africans were brought to mexico and then were brought to the united states um and so much of their culture whether acknowledged or not is african <laughs> uh, and so afro mexican or afri mexican food is not like a misnomer it's legit <laughs> Mm. Um, so in Rwanda, was there a lot of uh, foreign spots or, you know, was that something new to that I'll area? Say, so most of the like sit down, eat spots uh, were foreign spots. There were a couple mm. of them that were like uh, up and coming uh, Rwandese owned spots, but like there was a sushi spot and a hamburger spot wow. all owned by non-wandis right um and this spot was no different it was a white boy from santa monica um, wow. <laughs> who brought me over there but like if you go there you would understand why people wanted to stay there right mm. uh it's probably one of the most beautiful places on the planet uh the climate is just like like that right <laughs> So did you did you feel like a fish out of water there, or did you feel Not like at all. I'm home, I'm comfortable, this is I you know this is love? I didn't feel exactly at home. Mm -hmm. um, not initially. Initially, I was surrounded by all of the expat community, mm. uh, but once we got the restaurant open, all of the kids who were hired in a restaurant were like regular Rwandese kids, right? Uh, who like, I ate eat at a couple of people's houses because we uh, developed a rapport. I'm still in contact with all of them now, nice. pretty much. Um, so the more I got to know people, I got to meet the rich Rwandese kids. I got to meet the dirt poor Rwandese kids and everything in between. Um, and like, cool story, they threw me a surprise party at the Hotel Mil Colleen, which was a Hotel Rwanda. So mm -hmm. my 33rd birthday was at the, uh, spent at the hotel that the movie is based off of, oh, right? Wow. And it was a surprise party. And at that point, I'd only been there for three months, but they gave enough of a shit to, like, throw me a party. <laughs> uh, so they made me feel at home. And some of the sweetest people you ever want to meet, so... It was hard to comprehend how, like, the genocide happened in that place. Nice. That's that's cool. That's cool. So let me ask you a question. This is kind of going back to New Orleans. Um, I recently watched a um, documentary on the uh, the kids, right, who were affected by Katrina kids. Katrina kids. Yeah, that was a very very deep story. Um, were you in New Orleans when that actually happened? And how did that affect you? Or if it did affect you, I mean, I'm sure it did because all your family and friends are there. Can you speak a little bit about that experience? 
So I was living in Brooklyn uh, when Katrina happened. Um, And so I watched it like everybody else on CNN, but with a keen eye because like that's home. That's where you're from. Yeah, exactly. Um, Luckily, all of my immediate family were already out of the city. I think my mom was either at the retreat or on her way to the retreat and everybody else was out. Um, Our house is uh, two blocks from the Mississippi River, which is a natural high ground. All of the old city in New Orleans, Mm. if you were in a quarter, anywhere you can see the river from is high ground. Okay. I I don't know if that makes sense how I'm saying. No, I understand. Um, Yep. And so we didn't get any flood water over here. and so the house not being destroyed um, absolutely made for, like, at least some peace. Um, part of why I moved back home, because I was loving what Brooklyn was at the time. But part of why I moved back home was because I thought my city was, like, on its way out. Mm. And I was like, that can't be, because it's a place that's always been in my mind. Like, you can leave New Orleans for 10 years come back and the same cats is doing the same shit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it was the first time that it ever became real that like, yo, this could not be here. Right. Um, and if you come here and you actually immerse yourself in this place, it's not like anywhere else you have ever been. Like if you stay in a quarter, that's different, but that's touristy different, right? Right. Um, it's the uh, most... Uh, I, I like to call it the most uh, involuntarily African city in the United States. I'm not going to say in this hemisphere because we got Bahia and all of that other, other kind of stuff in Cartagena. Um, but in the U.S., this is the most African city you're going to encounter. Um, from how we form sentences uh, to how we buck jump on Sundays to how we uh, venerate our, our past our our ancestors, like we we just move on a different rhythm than the rest of this country. And so the thought of that place not being here throws you. Because like everything you were hearing was like people saying like, why would you even have that place? It's below sea level. Yeah, so that. So I I know um, the first type of uh, introduction to New Orleans that we got um, was from- well, Murakati too, but also um, Oduwaharingala. Right. She used to, <laughs> at the rituals and at uh, different events, uh, funerals, she used to break out the umbrella. She used to do the, you know, Start the second procession. Line, Absolutely. Yeah. And we, you know, we used to look at it like, you know, what is, what is this? But, you know, talk about a little bit how the Indian culture is in New Orleans and what that is about. Um, because we just see the, you know, the procession, we see the second line, we see the Zulus, we see that. But what is that really about? Do you have a good understanding you so, know, to explain to the people what that's about? You, you said a couple of different things. You said Indians, you said Zulus, <laughs> which are uh, demonic. Well, I mean, from my, from my understanding, oh, you know okay. what I mean? No, I, no, I don't I, have a full understanding, so no, you, no, no. you know, explain and, and, to it a little bit. So there are a couple of different um, origin 
points for uh, the masking Indians, right? Some people call them Mardi Gras Indians, but that's a misnomer. Um, they just went out on Mardi Gras Day because they didn't have to have a permit. Like, everybody is in costume. Um, and a lot of the shit was, like, extra, like, the first, I'll say, the first time I saw somebody killed, I was seven years old. How you doing, neighbor? Wow. Uh and it was at a Super Sunday, which is a black Indian event. Uh, they have one uptown, downtown, and then one across the river, but we don't really pay attention to that. But that's a whole other story, right? Um, because the tribes, um, they have like a strict hierarchy. There's a big chief. He has his flag boy, his spy boy, uh, his scouts and his queens. And like, it's a whole crew. With a well-formed, I guess, um, well-formed governance. Um, some people say because um, Maroons uh, in this city escaped and sought refuge with, and I always put in quotation, the indigenous folks uh, here, uh, that uh, the masking was done in homage, right? Right. Uh, some folks say that um, the folks who the folks who we think are indigenous folks and the folks who are masking Indians um, are quite different, and uh, the folks who we be calling Indians with the tears and the protect the earth shit um, are folks practicing our culture right. <laughs> and, and kind of appropriating whatever. I don't have a firm grasp, but there's somebody on the uh, first generation page who posts shit about it all the time. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but let me ask because because I, I I was unaware of the uh, I guess Indian Native American whatever it is the PC correct term I want to use that term. Okay, so please don't feel upset with no me. It, it we ain't PC on here. Right, I'm just saying right. So yeah. Is it are, are there uh, reservations in in New Orleans or there are reservations in Louisiana definitely oh not in New Orleans but in in the state okay gotcha gotcha uh, in, in the city of New Orleans New Orleans has uh, been like a city city for three hundred years there's not much open space that makes uh, sense for three hundred I mean that's blighted property but <laughs> you say what you said three hundred years that's that's what's up over three hundred years yeah. Uh, and prior to it being New Orleans, uh, prior to European incursion, it, uh, it was uh, the seat or at least a trading post in one of the largest mound uh, builder cultures in this hemisphere. Like there in Louisiana, and some people call them pyramid complexes, but the earth uh, mound movers, uh, if you look up... Uh, indigenous mounds you'll see in Poverty Point, Louisiana is right up the way. Uh, and it was a massive city pre-Columbian people, right? Right. Um, but it was called Bulbancha, which means place of many tongues. It was a trading post when uh, the water was low and many languages were spoken here. Um, if we're to believe that Abu Bakari, uh, the emperor of Mali, uh, set out on a uh, expedition with 200 ships uh, and followed the rivers in the Atlantic Ocean, I'm sure he probably found himself over here as well, right? Right. 
uh, he was the predecessor of Mansa Musa. Um, just being in love with history, your mind can go to those places. Um, that's, that's what's up. Now, I want to talk about this for a second because my my kids' family are from the state of Louisiana. Louisiana? Yeah, okay. their family is from Monroe, Louisiana, right? So that's a completely different world. That's a whole... So I, I want to ask you this, though, because you know how, like, in, in New York, they have boroughs? Yeah. And in Monroe, they have... Uh, I forget what they call it. It's them. a parish. 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 Right, right. Yeah. Do they have that in, in uh, New Orleans, or what so, do they have in New Orleans? All the parishes is another name for a county. Got you. So, like, Jamaica has St. Anne Parish, and, like, other spots have, they call it parishes. In the U.S., everywhere calls it a county except for Louisiana. Got you. And I'm sure it has to do with, like, the French and the Spanish. No doubt. Well, listen, though, what we're going to do right here is take a quick commercial break, listen to what our sponsors got to say, and we get right back to it. After these messages, we'll be, we'll be right, right back. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> we are still here chopping it up. Welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Now, when I talk about my time raising a society, I'm always going to say that my name is uh, Kemwa Mendaku Walters. All right. And uh, Kemnes would be Kemnes Oksebe or the Oksebe's. Now, did you have a society name? I did, but you no did? one ever called. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, hear it. Let's let's hear please it. let us hear it. Earl Haringala, uh, HMK as I affectionately call her, uh, gave me the name Abseshwaib Heru. Say it again. Abseshwaib Heru. That's good. That's not that bad. That's... It opened up the way for me to be called Upsesh. Right. <laughs> um, so, so do you remember what it means? So it, it, it means an unfettered heart shows devotion to Natera, to divine. Yeah. Absolutely. Do, do you, did you ever use that name? There was a time when I was like 17, 18 uh trying to define like my grown self right um cuz you know um so i finished high school early and i thought i was a grown up after i left high school i'm listening to you um and i started asking myself what do grown people have grown people have a job a house a car uh grown people have a girl and they have religion <laughs> like that was my surmise of adulthood um, nice. I bought a car. I got a job. Um, I had a girl. <laughs> and so it was like, all right, so religion, what are we going to do about this? Uh, and like for, uh, initially I went to what was, I guess the most easily accessible, which was a Sarah set. Okay. And like I read through the Maduna tear and, um, the other books that were out at the time uh, from the society. Um, and then I just went on a mad search for everything I could consume. Um, and so for a spell, uh, I probably was introducing myself to folks as Obsessed Peru because uh, I wanted them to know I was a part of something, right? I got nice. religion because I'm an adult. 
I mean, that's a powerful name to have Heru in your name. Uh, real, real powerful. But let's 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 talk about like who your family is because I remember uh, your mother, um, quite memorable moot. Um, I remember her from the retreats and she always used to do the uh, arts and crafts with us. With the children, so. With the children, that was really supposed to, so tell us who your mother is, tell us who your siblings are. So my mother is Mutsa Tuwama'at. Um, what, what was her other name? Cause I remember another name. Uh, Mudoleila. Mudoleila. Yeah. Um, she was brought into the society uh, by Murakati. Um, they became quick friends, and uh, I think my mom said she had been introduced to the society while she was still living in the city. She moved back here uh, when she was like 21 or 22, but like was already on a path of culture, right? Um, and she and my dad met each other. Longer story than I need to tell here, but they met. Um, my mom, like, quick study, uh, jumped feet first into the society. It wasn't much of a, like, anything we had to change because she wasn't bringing no dude in the house, so it wasn't a polygamy there. Um, and our diets didn't have to change, so it was like, oh, okay, well, we'll start hanging out with these people who we already hang out with. <laughs> um, and, you know, now y'all will sing. Cool. Um, at a time, I felt like there were at least like 50 people in a study group here. Um, there was only visiting Shechem's and whatever. Uh, so there wasn't like the hierarchy here. So we didn't have all of the politics that I hear uh, spoken of. Uh, I've heard spoken of here, but um, the closest society was Atlanta. And in our mind, they okay. were rocking. Right. Uh, they had a health food store. They had a couple of health food stores in the like sizable temple. Um, and so like if it was something big, we'd all just take that six hour drive to Atlanta road trip in it. Now, now for uh, us, right? When we grew up. Okay. All right. Now, I'm gonna go slow for a second. So when we were growing up, obviously, in the New York community, I guess you know everybody wanted to be in New York. Yeah. Right? However, for us, and I'm talking about the kids, as it would be. Right. If we were going to D.C., that was a big thing for us, right? We would. Oh, you going to D.C.? Yeah, you going? I'm going or if we were going to like the beach ritual or something like that, was the Atlanta trip that for you guys as well? Or was it just like, eh, it's just this, another set thing? Um, anytime we got to come up to New York, it was a bigger thing. Um, at least for my teenage mind, all other women in New York were beautiful. Uh, in the society, I was just like, y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, and I don't we, think were, we, was, we was like, ew, these girls. We, you know, listen, 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 this is hilarious because you're the second brother to come on here and say that, that they were all beautiful. And and uh, let's say this now that we're all adults. They are all beautiful. Yes, right, great, right, right, right. Like Kemna said then, we was like, oh, ew. 
because y'all grew up in like the same households and shit. Uh, right, exactly. They but like our, our sisters. But for a dude coming from a place where natural hair wasn't pervasive, mm. uh, who actually liked how black women look naturally, uh, the micro braids that I used to see him rocking, and like, <laughs> I was like, I'm in fucking heaven. I want to live here. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what's uh, up. And, and and they were all rude, and it was like this is different from <laughs> rude <New> York. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was different from the sweetness that you got from women here. So even that was somewhat attractive. <laughs> yeah, that's random. Uh, they are so rude, though. This is it's, it's, it's yeah. so true. So let me ask you this though. So because it was a smaller study group, as you called it, in uh in New Orleans. And, and your diet didn't really change that much. Did you? Did your mom add like supplements? Because for us, we had like uh, the nervines, the nervines, the cod liver oils, and amino so acids and things like that. Did you guys have that? That as well? was already part of the diet. That so, was already part of the diet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. that's interesting. So you guys were healthy already. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what up. So. You guys didn't always broken go healthy. Bro- uh, that, that 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 was the funniest shit to me because I was like, I know this is expensive, and, and I see what it is even more so now. I'm like, how are you affording this shit? Well, we was uh broken, expensive. Uh, it was uh, yeah. super expensive to uh, have some of that stuff. But let me ask you this though, right? So, you guys didn't always go to Atlanta for events. Uh we would go to DC. So. Uh, my mom's uncle lives right on Eastern Avenue in Tacoma Park, and uh, so like I know Sartre and all of them. Uh, I have brothers who live in Chicago who know all of the Sarasset people, and so like Quadro and all of them always felt like real familiar. That's but we awesome. also have a f- huge family, and so like we had a connection via Sarasset pretty much everywhere. No, no that's what's um, but, but, yeah. but, but I was asking you, though, is more like what it was like in New Orleans, right? So, so in New Orleans... Like, do you guys... Because uh, you guys didn't... Did you have a building or no? Did you have a school? So there was a building. There was a building. Uh, nah. So there was plans for a school, but, like, there weren't enough children to be in a school gotcha. or to yeah. have a school. Uh, for a spell, they were trying to open up a Simbab. Um, and in the house I grew up in, uh, the two front rooms of the house, uh, had a bunch of like food stuffs that they were buying in bulk together, uh, like Mm. in an attempt to, uh, like drum up enough business to start a store. Mm -hmm. Um, they had a study group, uh, building, uh, that they were renting for a spell. So like, um, Initially, it was just going like from house to house. It would float um, to different people's houses. And oftentimes, HMK or Mudakati, if they were in town, they were like leading the rituals and stuff. Gotcha. Uh, and so, like, it was, it, and I mean, we a ritualistic city anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, it was people coming and treating it like a party. Gotcha. It was like, I so, ain't what? Go ahead. So so you went to uh, public school most of your uh, four so years. We initially went to this, uh, like there's a Brooklyn free school, right? We went to the New Orleans equivalent of 
the uh, Brooklyn Free School. It was called New Orleans Free School. Uh, and it was this oasis of like hippiedom uh, that like made us just weird enough to be oddballs in hood schools. Uh, which mm. after uh, elementary and junior high, my mom sent us all to like the most hood schools in the city. And she was like, I don't want you to not like be able to interact with your people. Nice. Uh, so how was that experience for you growing up in a community that was Afrocentric and having to attend a westernized school? So my freshman taking, year Taking school, your tofu sandwiches to for lunch and stuff. So I had a Whole Foods uh, right up the street from my high school. Wow. Before it was going into gentrified areas. Like Whole Foods like started in New Orleans. Um, They merged with a company that was in Austin called Safeway, but Whole Foods Company has been here since the 70s. And when they merged, they became Whole Foods Market. But like Whole, yeah. So um, I used to walk to old school, uh, Whole Foods for lunch. Uh, I was the drummer for the ritual. So uh, my drum teacher lived about four blocks away from uh, my high school, and he was my, like, refuge. Uh, he was why I didn't fell out of school initially. Because <laughs> it, it, it was like a culture shock coming from a place mm-hmm. where folks actually gave a shit about your humanity mm-hmm. and going into a place where you were a number. Right. Yeah. And so, Plus, so my mom was doing uh, all of the arts and crafts with uh, the kids on a retreat because she's our early childhood educator in real life, right? Nice. Uh, spent like the majority of her life doing so. Uh, and so coming from that kind of environment that like she would set up on a retreat and going into the rest of the world was an interesting thing, yeah. Uh, but I got my bearings and... Uh, so I'll add a, a, another layer to it. My first year of high school, the high school I went to implemented a uniform policy, right? Mm. My, at the time, best friend who, uh, his mom was in a study group and he had come on a retreat, uh, uh, two retreats at that point. Um, he was in his senior year, but his mom went to the school, raised hell, uh, had a, a letter from the state attorney general saying that like it was against his constitutional rights to make him wear a uniform and that he would be wearing African clothes. Nice. Um, and so he and I, uh, <laughs> my freshman year, I would go to school in like big dashikis and agbadas and all kind of other random shit. So I stood out like a sore thumb. Uh, and so now, you yeah, know, like I, I don't feel so bad, brother, because uh, <laughs> we were standing out like sore thumbs in New York as well, too. And and New York is really eclectic as it would be, and so they were used to seeing some kind of weirdness, but uh, yeah, they used to make us wear dashikis and all of that stuff, too. But so let me ask so you this in New question. Orleans, you remember I said it's the most involuntarily uh, African city? <laughs> yes, sir. In New Orleans, <laughs> if you did anything like overtly cultural, you was either Africa, the whole of Africa, like you Africa, huh? <laughs> or you were Jamaica. Wow. Those were your only two options. 
And so I had to answer buku questions about Africa and our Jamaica in high school at the time. So so how did we you went, adjust, right? So for us, when we got, uh, you know, we, we were out in the jungle, as it would be, or whatever you want to call it. I call it when we got our furlough, right? Okay. We, most of us, as, as as guys, we adjusted through sports, right? Or And that's how we found our common ground or kind of found our footing. How did you find your common ground or footing, as it would be? Once I realized I could fight. Okay. And, <laughs> so you got in a lot of trouble. So I didn't get into a lot of trouble because I never started the fights. Um, and because, and I'm saying this like everybody, now I got a pretty sweet demeanor. Like, I'm a nice dude. Uh, and so folks don't expect me to have this killer instinct. And I'm like, I was told from an early age, like, you have to have a great capacity for violence if you're going to be a peaceful man, right? No doubt. Um, and so people think you're supposed to walk around looking like you got it on your mind. And why would you? Right. <laughs> um, and I never had it on my mind, but I was always ready for whenever it was brought my way. Uh, and not reali- uh, realizing that I could hold my own is what made me stand out. I have six brothers, but we're spaced enough apart that we were never in like high school together, right? Oh wow! Um, but having six brothers, I don't have to like make many guy friends. Though I made Buku guy friends, most of them in New York, like Ajuna, Otha, uh, Vaughn are still like my people now. That's right, Otha and Vaughn. Wow! Right. Wow, that is. You know, let me tell you how bananas that is, right? So now it makes sense to me, and it's gonna make sense in what I'm saying in a second, right? Because right. Otha and Vaughn, and I, I'm, Emsa tells me this all the time. I'm still stuck in the '90s, so okay, so bear with me. What I'm saying, right? Otha, I'm stuck there too. I'm stuck. Otha and Vaughn are a lot younger than us. Uh, Vaughn is forty-two. Otha's forty. Uh, 41. Wow. It's not, that's not that long. It's not that. It's, right. Now, now it's not even that much younger than us. But, but then they, yeah. was, they was just like the little dudes on the Young boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, so that's what's up. That's what's up. That's that's interesting. That's dope, though. Oath and Vaughn, good dudes, though. Definitely. So Shechem Kakai uh, was doing, I, I don't know if that's still his name, but he was doing no, engineering yeah. school or something. Uh, here in Louisiana. So he was also a part of the study group down here. Oh, wow. Uh, in my ninth grade year uh, for winter vacation, I don't know why I went to New York with him, but I came, I took a road trip with him to New York. Uh, and his wife's son was the same age as me, Arjuna. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh he just showed up. Uh, we showed up at their spot in Harlem, and we've been friends since. That's what's up. You know, it's um, kind of that's kind of how this circle goes, right? Right. Like, my mother used to tell me this all the time when I was younger. Um, you you don't like that kid over there? Uh, well, you better get over it <laughs> because <laughs> you gonna see that nigga tomorrow. You understand? So you, right. you don't got no choice right now in the matter. Now that that's what's up though. So. Are, have you always been vegan? Because, or 
Did you so I've heard you ask those questions. You know uh, what we do. Exactly. You exactly know we. I never change. You never change. I never change. That's what's up. That's uh, what's up. What I what I did do is I. Uh, so my dad, when we'd go by him, he allowed us to eat cheese. Like after him, my mom said <laughs> cheese. <laughs> when I tell you, like that was the thing. <laughs> that that shit was heaven because I was like that was soy that was too. That was yeah. too. We used to sneak to the corner store and get a a a, a, a egg and cheese uh, egg and cheese uh, bagel or something. Right, and that was like the major, like, like the switch over for us. It was like, what? These egg and cheeses? Egg and oh, cheeses man. is working right now. So, two of my older brothers, uh, like right when they got in high school, started eating meat, and I remember thinking them so cool, but like I was too inquisitive and of a kid, like I was a nerd, and so when I was like, "Y'all eating animals? Y'all realize that, right?" <laughs> And I'll add more context to it. There were times in our life when we had farms, like legit. My parents, for a time, were very nomadic. Oh, wow. Um, And so every once in a while, my pop would take over a farm and we'd have a farm. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Because that's coming full uh, circle. What do you call that shit? You know, with the the cows? Uh, I I wasn't milking cows. You wasn't milking cows? No, uh, they were uh, probably wonderful fronts for him and his ganja business. Wow. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, talk about it. Talk about that's, it. That's, that's how you raise big families. That's how you raise. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he passed this year, so I'm not going to oh, throw, throw no shade my on condolences him. To your I appreciate it. Absolutely, that man well, lived his of... life. Yeah, that man lived his life for real. No, that's what's Absolutely, up. listen. But let's ask one question because we always talk about um, something special and near and dear to all of us is the retreats. So I know that for me, um, retreat was always a special place because, you know, we growing up in the concrete jungle and the retreats was always, you know, something to get away for 10 days. Do, did you love and appreciate the retreats? And can you tell us a retreat story that kind of sticks with you? Um, were y'all there the year that everybody got caught for the truth of dare out in the woods? Nope. Tell us oh, about we it. We got caught for so many. We got caught for so many things, but it probably wasn't truth of dare. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, tell us a story. I, I can't remember who. It, so I, I have a, a more reckless. You ain't got to name no that. names. You ain't, you ain't got to name um, no names. But but if you want to name some names, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not gonna stop I'm you, not, brother. <laughs> this ain't drink champs. Come on now. <laughs> um, we call it Robert B. Housen. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, so again, I thought New York uh, society had all of the most beautiful girls, right? So. It was always wonderful to uh, be on a retreat and see like folks when they got up with sleep in their eyes walking through the forest. Like that was dope. Um, Stories. I remember how it was like everybody else versus New York uh, with water fights and shit like that. Right. Um, That was always special. That that was only because it was so many people from New York. It wasn't really. It like, was so many of y'all, and you know, for everybody else, it was two like people from Milwaukee. We... Like... 
and a couple people from Chicago right. and Dayton. Um, but we would all group up together because there's power in numbers. Uh, definitely. Um, I remember thinking it weird when um, folks got caught for the truth of dare in the woods. Um, I remember they called all of the Badani to like the food hall. And I remember watching people rat on themselves. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, they don't have no proof. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Right. Um, yeah, and, yep, yep. I, that was me over there. You, I was over there. Just in that, that's what that, that's the type of thing that they were saying? Like that? Like that? Uh, that's, yes, that was me, a tough over and, there. And, and we were rubbing on each other. <laughs> and, and, who, who you was rubbing on? And so for me, it was like, wow, y'all have no games. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought it was reckless to be from, you know, these other places that have games. I was like, you know, if you don't say shit, you know, they ain't got nothing. Got Next, nothing. yeah. That's um, I remember having a fight on a retreat. Um, I'm not going to say the dude name, but um, either in the only thing that made it shitty was like he either poured that that bottled apple juice on me while we were sleeping and then decided to like rag on me like I peed on myself wow. <laughs> and, and then started spreading the rumor. Oh man. Um, and I confronted him. He was way bigger than me. But like, I was like, you not going to play me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we absolutely had a fight. And I was like, I'm out here fighting in the fucking woods. Like what was going on? <laughs> we escaped this. I, I thought I was in a safe place and I'm fighting in the woods. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But check this out, man. This has been a great conversation. And, you know, we touched on a lot of different things. And we always want to ask um, to our listeners, to the people on the show, um, based on the way you was raised, we always ask, would you change the way that you were raised? Not at all. Not not one iota. I I would add shit to it, but change, nah. Um, it was special. It w- it was and, definitely special, man. So when we initially opened up this uh, uh, the Zoom, uh, I, I was kind of like lamenting or, or not lamenting, but like voicing the fact that we got something special. Like if it's four hundred of us who at least all have like at the bare minimum like readings that we consult. There's power in us doing that, right? If we all thought to do business with each other, there's a level of trust in, I mean, it's hard to trust folks, but there's a level of something that we have if we want to cultivate it that makes us, and I know the conversation about the Jews and anti-Semitic and whatever, but like, understand, and homie put that shit, uh, don't call nobody uh, Hotep, are you anti-comedic? Like, yo, like, we have that to turn into some shit if we felt like it. No, like, um, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because that's really powerful. Like, it's, 
it's 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 really like you really can't explain it, but like I, I know this was for surely like I know some some gang bangers, right? Right. And they always look at what we have is as dope because it's not the same dynamic, but it's kind of the same. Di- you know what I mean? Like like gang bangers, they gotta right. worry we about somebody stabbing together. them in their back, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? We don't gotta really worry about it. like you said, like that that trust factor that's there, and so it is really really powerful what we have and we need to take advantage of it and and i don't know about for you right well for y'all doing the reunions so like i'm a serial entrepreneur right and and from what i've heard uh who i've heard y'all had on the show it's a bunch of us right absolutely there's a bunch of us trying to make our own way in this world uh and networks are important facts um and we have a network. I mean, we're not all in the same place, but I don't think that's requisite. Right. That's even better. Right. Because now you're scalable. Absolutely. Like, what I have here can go there. I, I'm I'm so, I'm like, yo, they had a chain of grocery stores called Simbeb. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish there was, and wishing is whatever. But like there was a, a lane for that to become a thing, and I don't think folks really focused on it. There's shit we can do. Absolutely, no, without question. A lot of stuff that we uh, were thought weird for is what's trending right now. What's <laughs> trending? Exactly. Yoga, veganism, meditation, kundalini. Hell, I mean, yeah, like all of this shit is, and we're not profiting off of it, though we got chastised for it. Absolutely. Well, I'm profiting off of vegan food. <laughs> but... <laughs> I know that's that's what's up. And uh absolutely. No, but, but like yeah, you said, we, we gotta we definitely, definitely gotta get you out to the next first generation reunion. And guess I, I'm what? There. Listen, listen, this is what I'm gonna do. Every episode I'm gonna talk about it until <laughs> <laughs> until Fast give us some details about the upcoming event because we, we definitely we doing something next year. I, I'm, what it I'm is, but we're doing down. something. We're doing something because, um, you know, we connected years ago, you know what I mean? And you were mentoring me, whether you knew it or not, um, in my business venture. Who are you um, talking to? I'm talking to Aji. Oh. Um, he was, he, I, I reached out to him when he was, this was 2013, 12, and he was helping me out with some consulting on, some business, the, the food truck that I was doing because I saw that he was doing it. So I, I reached out to him because I knew, you know, he was in the network. Um, so I say that to say, you know, we want you to come out to our events because you never know who you're going to inspire. You know what well, I mean? You never know who needs to see you. You never need to know who you need to see. Yeah, you I was about I mean? to say it's a bunch of folks I need to see. I, I want to do this, so I'm I'm down for it. I was gonna come to the last one, but life happens, you know. Absolutely, life happens. Life happens. Yeah, absolutely. But we, but, we, I, you know, my dream and goal for first generation is to, at some point, have this thing every year. You know what I mean? And this is just a continuation of what we used to do in New York. We used to have the Brooklyn Queens picnics in Prospect <laughs> Park. Uh, when our parents would do something every year, you know what I mean? Just to connect people, whether you could come this year or next year or the third year or the fourth year, you knew there was something that bridged that gap 
between us because like you said, like Kim Wa says, like we say, we had something we have something special. Without question. You know what I mean? And and this is something that, you know, I don't know a lot of people that have this type of connection. And whether I talk to Kim Wa, I don't I don't even think I've seen Kim Wa maybe in the last four or five years. But I talk to him every week and it's like we never missed a step. It's like, you right. know what I mean, and I know this is for you as well. You may not talk to your peoples in a society every day, but when you do talk and when you do see them, it was like you saw them yesterday. Right. You know like I'm I mean? flying out of DC uh, next week, and I'm probably going to go a day or two early so I can see Vaughn and his family. Or at least that's me attempting to. That's what's Absolutely. Up. That's dope. Right. That's dope. I like to Anyway. Hear. I, yeah. I, I like to hear stuff like that. No, we, we got to actually, once we get this, uh, excuse me, once Kevness gets this ball rolling, right? Uh, One so of these years, the, we the got to come down to New Orleans, though. We got to come down to New Orleans. Yes, we got to do New Orleans. And do something in New Orleans, uh, for real. New Orleans. And, and, and not in July, and though. I was, I was going to say, uh, if you look, I, I heard, like, where is it going to be? I promise you, you would get so many people uh, who've either never been here or have been here and loved it, who would come I to it. I love uh, it. a first generation in New Orleans. Listen, I love it. You can sign me up tomorrow. We're going we to do, do it in New Orleans one year. I I'm about co- you, I uh, helping that. coordinate. I, I have no Absolutely. issue. We're going to hold you to that, bro. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And this was a great show, man. And uh, if you forget, you know, don't forget to... Well, wait, wait, wait like though, Fast. Can... Hold on. Before, oh, okay, we, okay. before we end it, though, because uh, Brother Aji did mention that he's a serial entrepreneur. Right. Uh, so. And uh, if you got anything that we can support you on, uh, let the people know what you got going on so we can support you if we can. I don't know if that's how your business so works. The the next, like, actual business, like, that's open to the public, and everything I do is open to the public. Um, but I have pieced together a, Democ- uh, a cooperatively owned um food business uh some cats who i trained in a restaurant i used to work with um i want to introduce to ownership nice um and so we are starting off uh in january with a food truck initially start off with small things uh called flipping birds um in part because it's going to be a chicken sandwich truck, vegan and conventional. But the other part of it is that we're offering health care. We're offering living livable wages. Uh, it's voluntary. Uh, we're trying to bring other folks into ownership of it as well, right? Um, Listen, brother, Ajay, it, let, me, let me tell you something. That sounds super awesome, right? And I, I want to extend this to you right now, like, Go for it. You said January, right? Yes. Once y'all launch that, would you like to come? I would like for you to come back so we could talk about that. If that's oh, possible. of course. That's what I come January. It's all going to be documented. I'm documenting the shit out of it. So, um, yeah, it, that and promoting it because I want folks to see like you could work collectively if you and two of your partners know different parts of the same business. You have a business. Waiting to be birthed. That's nice. it. Um, no, no, because no. jobs ain't never gonna pay you what you worth. Not at all. And we never uh, gonna find a job. 
like uh, we're gonna talk on another day. Yeah, brother, because that's a whole yeah. other podcast we about to start right now today. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm absolutely here for it. No, and I'm here for so, it. So I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me. This is what I say about every single podcast that we do. We learn something new every show. Learn so much. And we today, learn so much. We had to learn. Man, we learned a lot today, brother. We learned. We learned Word. a lot today. Absolutely. No, it was a. Uh, it was super dope. For me, I, I run my mouth a lot. That's uh, what I learned. No, no, no. I, I'm love. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's all. It's all. Uh, good talking with you, brothers. Yes, good talking to you as well. Thank you, uh, Fast. We'll see you Absolutely. next week. No, right. no doubt. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can always uh, listen to us on all the major podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I don't Spotify. know. Podcast.com. I don't know. We just find us. We out there. Yeah, when y'all gonna do some videos? Y'all some handsome brothers. Oh man! <laughs> you know they we actually <laughs> we actually thought about doing a video uh, portion like for the members, right? So like heard if that, you heard s- that. Subscribe to the show. We we actually we gonna actually start doing that and, and offer that as a as an option. This way we can raise some funds for this uh, event. I mean, how you gonna get your Jesus and Mero on if people don't <laughs> see who you are? I'm talking shit. <laughs> It's all good, man. It's all good. Uh, good talking to y'all. Though. Always good talking right. to you, brother. Appreciate you. But Appreciate y'all. That's right. And everything we do, every little thing we do becomes a lot. And uh, don't forget to meditate and let it marinate. That's right. Safe up, cross over, but don't sell out. Ah, Peace. It might blow up, but Peace. it won't go pop.